Welcome to MedHeads, the weekly show that brings a biopsychosocial focus to issues of the day, along with special guests who will showcase their expertise and enthusiasm about their field of practice. Your host, Dr. Fergal Armstrong. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong, and welcome to MedHeads. Today, we have two very special guests, Ian Bunston and Phil Simpson. Hello, everyone. Morning. How are you both today? Yeah, so, uh, Ian, we've, we've spoken to you before, so I wanted to just to say my first hello to Phil. Phil, welcome to MedHeads. Tell us a little bit about what you believe social connectedness is and how do you engage in social connectedness? Uh, well, um, I um, work as a school chaplain at the local primary school and have been doing so for a long time. And in my experience there, I've uh, come across a lot of people who uh, seem to be um, on one level quite successful, but on another level very disconnected from, you know, those around them, from their peers, um, from, um, you know, people, even their neighbours and their workplaces and so on. So yeah. um, my, my uh, idea is to try and, uh, in the community, try and re-establish some of the connections that um, we've lost, I think, over the years, you know, some things, yeah. you celebrate the things we have in common uh, and, uh, and to try and uh, have people uh, back and uh, connecting and being interdependent. Right. And uh, your role in, in this is as a school chaplain, but you're also a barrister, is that right? A, a legal practitioner. That's right. So I've been, uh, I've been at the Victorian Bar for 21 years, um, almost this year. Um, and uh, in my role there, I uh, appear mainly for defendants uh, in uh, criminal matters, uh, usually in the magistrate's court. Uh, and it's something that I've really enjoyed. A lot of hustle and bustle, a lot of uh, uh, revolves mainly around people and relationships and families and usually people at their most vulnerable. Uh, and yeah. uh, in that regard, um, the chaplaincy and the, uh, the, the legal work is actually uh, quite similar. Right, right. So we'll have to get back to that point, the similarity between legal work and mm. chaplaincy. Mm. But moving over to Ian. Ian, just remind us, what's, what's your role and how does that impact upon social connectedness? Yeah, Fergal, good to be back again and uh, having a chat with regard to this whole uh, setting. Um, look, my role as a community connector at Box Hill Central Shopping Centre revolves around um, being out there in community, whether it be with the visitors, uh, whether it be with the retailers, uh, whether it be with um, management, um, but beyond that, even in fact, into a lot of the community organisations, including the police, uh, yeah. Centrelink, Salvo Care, a whole range of things where yeah. I've given the opportunity to be a conduit between um, uh, supporting them with social yeah. pursuits and connectedness because uh, the research is really strong around all of this that um, a greater sense of well being um, and quality of life, and dare I say, happiness yeah. comes as a result of people connecting. So um, I find it really um, very, very fulfilling in that role to, to see people uh, enjoying a, a better sense of well-being. Right. And I was hoping that you were going to mention the phrase purposeful activity there, Ian, and that list of uh, qualities. Well, without a doubt. And um, I think it's, uh, I mean, I might say the phrase where people have got purposeful uh, social pursuits that are trustworthy, that they feel that they can come into a space um, because in, 
generally across our society today, there's been a lot of trust that's been lost. And, and if people can enter into a space where they can connect, where they can feel that they're welcome, that they can feel a sense of viability, and that these people are really interested in me as a person and I can trust them, yeah. within that then comes a, a commitment to the relationship and, um, yeah. and a greater sense of well-being. So those purposeful, trustworthy pursuits are extremely important. As is the trust that people have for you as the, as the kind of coordinator of these activities, I would imagine. Very important that I, yeah. that I do establish yeah. that. Um, I think yeah. uh, most people today can see if you're not authentic and real, yeah. um, they, they spot that a mile away. So yeah. um, very, very important that I have a sense of honesty and openness and transparency. Yeah. And I think that's, and that sense of vulnerability as well is very important. Um, you know, you just, you just share yourself, you share, be the, be the real person and ex you know, share your journey. And I think people resonate with that and then that facilitates them opening up and being themselves as well. How important is it for you as a barrister to establish a personal connection between you and, the, and your client? And compare that with your, your personal collection, connection with uh, people in your, in your chaplaincy work. Um, both. both. Um, situations involve, for me, at least a very strong personal connection. Um, they're, they're different in that um, a relationship with a client on one level is, is a more professional relationship, um, but um, there's also a lot of latitude in that to um, hear um, where they're at personally uh, and mm -hmm. to invest in them personally um, with a view to not only solving their legal problem, but also to assisting them in their own well-being. And so a lot of the clients I appear for uh, have um, issues relating to passion um, or, you know, there's been a lot of um, trauma or maybe a family breakdown that's led to a whole range of different things that have pushed them into a particular position. And so I, uh, I love the, the, the thought, fact that I can build a personal relationship with them. Not one usually that's ongoing, but often. I do maintain mm. contact with clients, but yeah. certainly um, that that experience of building trust is so important. Um, and um, and and so while a lot of lawyers perhaps don't go about things that way, I think um, that's the joy for me in doing this sort of work that I do is that you do you get to know the the client, you get to know their their family, you get to know their partners, uh, with a view to looking at them as a whole person and trying to solve their problem in a way that hopefully means they don't come back through your door with another legal difficulty. Yeah, so I, I'm hearing what you're saying, that, it's, that that relationship is, is crucial almost to how you operate, but I'm, I'm wondering to what extent do you experience yourself any degree of uh, counter-transference? So do you, to what extent does that relationship either positively or adversely impact upon your personal emotional well-being? And I'll ask the same question to Ian um, after you've finished. Yeah, look, um, uh, probably from in the legal in the legal sense, it is a more professional relationship. So, I mean, I I'm realistic about the fact that I can only do so much, uh, and so I try not to. Um, I, I I suppose on one level, build the trust, and I do my best to get to know the, the family and 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 try and solve their immediate problem. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not I'm not invested in the sense that it affects me personally. Uh, mm -hmm. If um, you know, if they end up you know reoffending or um, you know, going down a path that is, is detrimental to them. Um, though that's disappointing, it doesn't really, you know, you've got to separate that in, in the sense. Um, from a, a perspective as a, um, a community, I suppose, um, 
leader in, in a school sense, in a chaplaincy sense, that has a, a more of an impact because mm -hmm. you do spend a lot more time with these families. And some of them, I've doing, been doing this 13 years as a chaplain, so some of these families you, you do travel with over a long journey throughout, you know, two or three or even four kids right through the school. And you become more invested, more personally invested in those relationships. Mm. And if they fail, um, not only are they members of your local community that you continue to see, mm. um, but they also um, are, are people who, you know, you really want the best for. And, um, and so th they, those sort of relationships probably have a bigger impact, certainly than the professional ones. Right. And what about you, Ian? Um, yeah, Fergal, I'm, I'm very similar to Phil. Um, I think um, in <clears throat> the capacity that we're in, particularly in community, we have to be very mindful that um, the impact of relationships doesn't impact upon us. Um, I mean, you know, uh, we want to be, you know, in a great uh, sense of uh, health and uh, um, ability to be able to deal with some of the issues that we're confronted by. So we have to be really guarded. In fact, Chorus Connect, who I am by as part of the partnership between uh, Chorus and Vicinity, they allow me to have um, what's called supervision once uh, once a term, school term, mm -hmm. to to see a psychologist to, just to, to to check in, to keep tabs on um, how I'm travelling, uh, the response that I have to various situations. So that's that's a really good safety check for us. But I will say that um, there are times when um, the invested interest with people can be extended. I mean, for instance. I was uh, undergoing a trial program at Churnside Park uh, a couple of years ago, and I connected with one of the retailers there who came to me uh, with a, a relative who had a, um, a severe substance abuse issue. And uh, one thing has led to another. Uh, and over the years, even though I'm not working at Churnside Park anymore, I've remained connected with that particular gentleman and uh, his uh, cousin uh, and uh, continued to, to journey with them over the process of him withdrawing from the substances that he was addicted to. and uh, But I've been very, very careful too to keep make sure that there's a professional level, but also there's a, a, a connection that still is there that enters in almost a friendship thing. But I'm still very, very cognizant of the fact that I have to make sure that I keep that, that balance. Sure. So we've, we've discussed the importance of social connectedness and we've, we, we've discussed the importance of social connectedness in both of your lives, your professional lives. So my next question is to both of you, and I'll ask Ian first and then I'll come to Phil. Can you give me an example of an activity that you engage in with your clients, your, your, your friends, the people that you care for, that, that is an example of social connectedness that improves their lives? Ian, if, you, if we can ask you that first. Well, Fergal, I'll give you one example that I never anticipated in all my thoughts of working at Boxville Central that I would do. But um, we've created a, um, a what's called the Boxville Central Community Choir mm -hmm. um, and had no idea we would get such an eclectic group of people together from all different ethnicities, different religions, um, different uh, occupations and so forth. And they, um, last year, they came together weekly um, to yeah. practice together in the real life since COVID-19. Um, and a great sense of community was created out of these people. Okay, we rehearsed for the hour. Uh, then, of course, we had the cup of tea and the cup of coffee and something to eat. 
the hour yeah. afterwards too. Well, just to yeah. stand back and view these people connecting in such a yeah. special way has been great. Going through yeah. COVID-19, we've kept it going via Zoom, can you believe? You know, choir rehearsals using Zoom, a little bit bizarre, <laughs> but we've made it work. And But alongside the Zoom is that we've got a, a WhatsApp group. So, you know, we've got all these people who are listening, they're muted while it's, you know, our conductress is leading us, but they're all looking at lyrics on the, on the WhatsApp and then they're texting each other and so forth. But during the week, there's always a banter that goes on um, with regard to amongst this group and the way that they the sense of collegiality, the sense of community, the sense of connectedness is very, very special. And it really like, it's a real high point of the week for them, I think, now that when they get together, you know, they have the, the sense, that the, the chance to, to sing and enjoy themselves and release a bit of uh, whatever you might want to call attention or frustration or whatever, and they enjoy that. But then they connect. Um, you know, even though it's, it's across the technology, um, they're still able to, you know, share their thoughts and ideas. So that's been really quite a special one and it continues on. And we've had several performances already and we're looking for another uh, several one. We're planning even for a Christmas one with the Box Hill Community Band. That's another thing that's coming on board. So that's going to happen in the centre in December. So that's an example. That's fabulous. And what about you, Phil? Okay, so um, the main thing that I'm involved in outside school and outside my work is a, a, an organisation called the Shed Door Community. Right. Uh, the Shed Door Community is um, based around a factory. Uh, we have a factory that uh, we've fitted out um, and it's a community meeting place, a community hub, if you like. Uh, and the purpose is to establish various communities within that that meet the needs uh, of those around us. So one of them is a community for young people uh, and on a Wednesday night every week, um, outside COVID, obviously, um, we would uh, get get together with up to 40 or 45 young people aged between sort of 13 and 25. Mm -hmm. uh, and we would um, run programs and play ball and um, eat together uh, and um, usually have a focus of some sort over the course of the night. We talk about relationships and well-being, mental health. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's a huge benefit to those young people and it's become a real community in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, and the other major one we have is one that we run on a monthly basis for men on a Friday night. Uh, and in that we would have up to 120 guys here on a Friday night. Again, the purpose of that is to have a speaker that comes in um, and usually um, they would talk about their life. They would tell a story about what brought them to the position they are in. Mm -hmm. uh, in that moment and often it's a cautionary tale it's a mm -hmm. tale of mistakes made um, mm -hmm. uh, and, um, and and the way in which they had to use their resources uh, to improve themselves mm -hmm. and in my experience that is a great comfort uh, to the men that come along because everyone um, you know has a sense that somehow they don't measure up and when they hear a, another man um, tell a story someone often that they would respect either a high-profile footballer a V8 supercar driver, a, a, a high-ranked police officer, a magistrate, you know, an Olympian, someone like that who, from all intents and purposes, appears to have it together, to hear them yeah. tell a story of perhaps sadness or failure or grief and yeah. make themselves vulnerable actually um, speaks very, um, you know, uh, profoundly to these men who come. All of these programs are designed to create a sense of belonging. 
Um, yeah. And that is the word, I suppose, that sums us up. That is, yeah. we, we want to give people a sense that they belong to a community. And uh, when they come along, they are, they are known, uh, they are embraced, uh, and the barriers to entry are quite low, you know, in yeah. terms of it being an open space, a space where people feel comfortable to come and a, and a space where people feel okay about being themselves. That's a very fascinating story that you've just given me. And one particular phrase really triggers my, my thinking, and that is the barriers to entry. And we are all the same. What do you think the barriers are to, to, to entry to any organization, to any therapeutic group? Um, people often, I think, when they hear about something that might challenge them, um, whether it's a faith community, whether it's something to do with addiction, whether it's something to do with um, you know, ways to work on marriage or relationships, instantly they feel uncomfortable, they feel vulnerable, um, they feel as though um, they don't understand protocols, uh, they, they feel as though they're not going to uh, appreciate the way in which it operates, they don't know what the expectation on them is, and so usually people will shy away from that. Yeah. Um, for me, we try and create a space that is uh, open, uh, comfortable, that doesn't place, place any particular obligation on people mm. other than um, we invite them into our space and we do our best to just get to know them at their own level. Yeah. And um, that's the important thing. I think um, it's very easy as professionals um, to wonder why people don't come into our space or why people choose not to engage in what we're doing. Mm. Uh, it's very easy to assume that the reason why they don't do that is because they're not interested or they don't want to help themselves. But often, my experience has been the reason why people don't engage is because they feel uncomfortable, they feel vulnerable, they mm. feel overwhelmed. Uh, and if we can remove those, then we can start to treat or assist them in the problem that they actually are encountering. And, and so that's what we try and do. We try and open the doors, open our arms and bring them in and, and just view them uh, as special uh, and also um, you know, assist them in their own process at their own pace. To what extent do you feel that low self-esteem plays a part in, 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 in acting as a barrier to entry, Phil? And I'll ask you it, the it, same question, Ian. Yeah. I think so. it's one of the key uh, yeah. difficulties for people, particularly men, um, yeah. who... Um, you know, often feel as though they are overwhelmed by maybe their mortgage, finances, marriage, um, you know, their, their, their work. Maybe they've lost their purpose. A lot of people uh, and men, particular men in their 40s and 50s, you know, they've, they've forgotten who they were. They've forgotten what they were designed to be. And it, they, they can easily get into a spiral where they become overwhelmed, where they lose confidence where if they are defined, as the community often tells us that we are, defined by how much we earn, what we've achieved, how big our house is, how flash our car is, if those things are how we measure ourselves and they don't measure up, then often mm. we, we don't feel like a complete man. Um, and so, you know, self-esteem plays such a pivotal role because it, 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 it affects how we treat ourselves. It affects how we interact with our partners, our wives, our families, um, our, our colleagues. And once that starts to slip, unless we can re-engage in a positive way, 
then, you know, that's where, you know, people start to fall into that, you know, the, the mental health conundrum and, um, you know, it's very hard to pull themselves out. Mm. What do you think, Ian? Um, Fergal, I really concur with everything that Phil has said. And um, and if I, if I, you can bear with me, um, I've had the honour of actually being at um, several of Phil's uh, shed nights that he has yeah. um, with the guys, and they're just phenomenal. And to, to give you an example of um, regardless of the content or regardless of the setting, um, mm. I was there one night. Um, they serve up a great meal, which is fantastic. It's a bit of incentive for blokes to come, particularly their palmers and that type of stuff. Um, but uh, I sat down on a couch just to start eating my meal. And next thing, another guy sat down next to me and I got in conversation with him and I said, well, what's your connection here? You know, how'd you come along or what was, you know, had, so forth. So, and he said, oh, look, I'm actually Phil's neighbour. Okay. And then, then subsequently to that, another guy sits down um, next to him and I asked him the same question and uh, he said, oh, look, um, this guy between us, he, you know, he actually asked me to come. So it was this domino effect. So mm -hmm. so I'm thinking in the back of my head, what's made these guys come along? I, I, I think um, there's also this huge element of trust. Um, to, to go into a new space, I think, for anybody out there in community, they've got to have a sense of, of trust in the people that are organising the event. And then I think, secondly, they've got to, it's got to be then a, a safe space, a space that they can feel um, mm -hmm. acceptable and comfortable in. And that's uh, when you go to a shed night at uh, wow. Phil's factory, it oozes with that, that sense of, you know, there's inclusiveness, there's people chatting, talking, connecting. You know, there's not little uh, kind of groups here and there um, that are just elitist, that are, you know, to the clicky or whatever, but there's mm -hmm. this real flow of conversation and people feel, I think, very, very accepted. Um, in my, my setting, um, I think it's just, uh, I mean, as an example um, of another activity that we're running at Boxville Centrals is a boat building group. Of all things, I never thought I'd, I'd have a, a boat building group, um, but <laughs> I've found a, a bunch of guys who are really passionate about this type of thing. And um, and we've now got uh, a number of guys who are very very skilled at doing this type of thing, but we've we've partnered to to get some folk in who have some substance abuse issues, um, yeah. and so for them to come into that space, um, there's got to be a real sense of they're, they're vulnerable, um, and um, there's all they come with a lot of things happening in their head, um, and uh, for their experience. And we've really got to do our best to make them feel safe and secure. And once they're in that space and they're doing something, then flows the conversation and all yeah. types of things, you know, come out and therefore gets the, the, the sense of trust in us. And then comes the commitment, as I was saying earlier, and then you can really have great dialogue and really delve into each other's lives and share your journeys. So, Phil, Ian mentioned a couple Ian of words there. A couple of words there. Uh, he said, clickiness and elitism. Mm. What do you think about clickiness and elitism, Ian, uh, Phil? Uh, well, I think um, we all experienced that. We've all experienced it since we went to primary school. Mm. Um, and um, it, it's the reason why a lot of people choose not to engage in all sorts of activities. Um, yeah. The thing um, that I love about, um, you know, the way that the Friday nights run here is um, I say to people at the start of the night, I say, once you walk in the door, you leave your ego uh, at the door. Uh, in here, we're all just blokes. And so yeah. shoulder to shoulder, I've got guys who've been to jail. 
I've got guys who dig ditches. I've got guys who are unemployed. I've got emergency doctors. I've got yeah. barristers. I've got lawyers. I've got finance brokers. And it doesn't matter what you do because at the end of the day, it's humanity. Uh, we all want the same out of life. We all have the same struggles and issues. And to see men, you know, shoulder to shoulder with such vastly different backgrounds is an extremely satisfying thing uh, because they are just connecting as people. And um, there's not too many places in the community where that can happen. Um, it does happen, but um, it, but it, it's it's quite rare. Um, and uh, so I think um, the, the harder we work on breaking down those barriers and accepting that at the, at the core, we are all just people uh, on a journey trying to do the best for ourselves and our families, then the closer we're going to get to uh, fulfillment and satisfaction and well-being for those people. Phil and Ian, we're going to have to wrap it up there. But look, I really want to thank you for your insights into this, into this subject, which is close to my heart. For me, social connectedness is the, is the essential reason why we exist. Thank you both for your time, and I really do look forward to the next time when we can meet again. Thank you very much. Thanks, Mr. Fergal. Thanks, Fergal. That's it for today's MedHeads. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong. Thank you for watching.